This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command post game, and uh, we actually are putting some of you. You guys know this because you're listening on Sunday. We're putting this out on Sunday. That's how. That's how important it is to get this instant reaction out, Logan, because mm-hmm. I think people are gonna be pretty fired up after this, and it's uh, it's gonna be another ugly week in the old radio world. Another ugly week in commander's world uh washington loses 25 10 to dallas as their offense looks completely inept again what what's your like high level takeaway i know what mine is um i kind of have have, have a saying that i'm gonna get to but before i poison the pond with my silly analysis what'd you see we're talking about the offense specifically or the team in general uh let's start with the offense i mean if there's something even bigger than the offense but i feel like the offense is what kept the team down today yeah, well, I'm just going to kind of drive that point home. Like, I think you get good enough defensive production. Obviously, it's not perfect defensive production, but good enough defensive production. There's no doubt they can clean up that side of the ball. I think you get good support from your special teams. And I think everyone thinks return game special teams, but they did an excellent job kind of pinning them back in, sp- in Dallas, uh, the commander's punt team, pinning them back in specific situations. Defense did a good job getting the ball back in, in certain situations. And you know, they shake a punt in the fourth quarter that gives you the ball in the 40-yard line. You don't get any points out of that. I just – it's a, just a disappointing thing. And so I think there was a period in the first quarter where I can almost call with like probably 80 or 90% certainty, like whether it was a run or a pass. And I came to this realization that the body language, the positioning, the splits of the offense change pretty directly when it's a run versus a pass. So like my – where I come up from, right, is the Shanahan West Coast. Everything's got to marry together. And I just feel like you're giving defenses a tell there, right? I think you're giving them an opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, this looks like a pass to me. And I, that would be my uh, – coming out of the game, my knee-jerk reaction is like, can we do – can this team do more stuff out of the same formations? Can you throw out of a tight formation? Because you don't seem to want to do that. You ran the ball very well from kind of a west slot alignment, which is something that was a tell last week. You ran the ball well of that. Why not throw it out of that now? You've You've established that you can do that. You're going to get good play action hold. Like that's the time to do that. And so I look at that and I say to myself, like, gosh, like you just kind of swung the pendulum all the way back the other way. It was so conservative, so uptight. It doesn't marry. And I'm, you know, again, like I don't, I'm not in those meetings with Scott. I don't know, I'm not privy to the information. So I don't want to like cast this sweeping judgment. But to my eye, when I watch that, I'm just kind of like, it doesn't, it doesn't jive as good offensive football. Like when you watch Dallas formationally, they're able to kind of keep you on your toes. Oh, we're going to run it from spread. We're going to throw out a, a kind of a packed in tight formation with big personnel. And they're just able to kind of sequence. And that as much as anything disrupts pass rushers. You know what I mean? Like when I know, when I see it, I can tell it's a pass. Like you should rush the passer. 
and like right. we, you should blitz. And I think those are the things that I come out of this game, and that's what we said on the pregame show. That's what we said on the podcast last week. And I hate to sound like I've got confirmation bias, but it was just there on display. You know what I mean? And that's 100%. super frustrating. So we had a conversation off air this morning, um, and they kind of turned into a conversation on air on the pregame show with the different twists. The off air started about how fans will often on be like, oh, well, they need to do this one thing for a, a play call. And then you're like, well, what's the next one? They're like, uh, yeah, yeah. well, and then we, uh, the on-air version of that was also like firing people. It's like, they need to fire that guy. And it's like, well, what, then what, who do they hire? What do they do? And they're like, uh, well, I haven't thought that far, but that guy sucks and he needs to go. And the off-air version is the one that I'm more interested in now, just because it almost feels like that's the way Scott's calling the game because yeah. it's like. Okay, we know we have to get Terry the ball. We know we can do that through screen. So we throw him a screen in the first quarter and then and then what? You know, if we know we need to run it more, so they run it a ton and then and then what? How do you then advance off of that? Do you have an evolutionary pattern of how your game plan is going to last beyond the first 15 plays of the game? And it's not because even the 15 first, really. It's like Yeah, the first the first play of the series. It's like that's what it feels like. It's like you really thought about that first play and then we're What's the sequencing after that? Like, what's the plan? Right. If this goes well, what's the plan? If this goes poorly, what's the plan? That's exactly what I was going to say. And I tweeted this at some point during the game. And I just said, I don't feel like this offense has a plan. They check a bunch of boxes because it feels like that's the right thing to do. And like, it is not often that I give this argument any credence because I know that Scott Turner knows way more football than I ever will. But like I could do that. I could say, hey, we need to get the ball to Terry McLaurin and throw a screen. I could get, you know, hand the ball to Antonio Gibson. I could do that stuff. So if I could do that, it needs to be better because I don't belong as an NFL offensive coordinator or play caller remotely. That's as close as I'm going to get to saying that like I could do the job because that's insulting and Scott's way better than that. But it does feel very simple it feels very check the box it does not feel like there's any depth to this plan or any real plan to be able to utilize the incredible amount of talent on the field and so what you get is a very stagnant unrhythm non-cohesive offense at that can't protect a quarterback who can't execute very much and then you have a bunch of skilled players that feel like they're being wasted yeah, I mean, I don't think that's that's definitely the feel coming out of the game, and obviously things change once you watch the film and you kind of sit down and look at it analytically. But I do think, you know, like I, I was thinking about the two minute drive at the end of the game, which wasn't great. But again, like the idea that every pass early on is like on the perimeter or like pushing vertical, and again, there's a there's a there's a time and a place for that, but you can't just be throwing haymakers all the time. And then that two minute drive when they're checking down the tight ends, I was like, this is more what an offense should feel like if there's a vertical threat, we got to get something underneath to kind of hold and maybe let the quarterback read down to that. But it never really feels that way. When you're watching this offense, it's like throw a deep ball on the outside. We don't even really like run a lot of posts. There's nothing like attacking the middle of the field. And I get that they run a lot of single high, but still there's a window there that you could take advantage of a drift, a dig, some type of play pass, like the middle, like, so the deep part is good the like at the line of scrimmage is good from a passing standpoint but then there's like 30 yards where it's like meh like i'm not sure how, how good we feel about this and then i understand that I, we've talked about this before in the podcast that you want to throw deep 
to open up that intermediate stuff, right? But like I like it needs to be complementary within the offense. Like if they're taking away the deep stuff, you need to have solutions. Like I think about that too. Like when I like one of the things I admire about Kyle, admire about Sean, is they were like, I want there to be answers. So let's say they do run a different coverage. Let's say they don't run the coverage, I think. What's the solution for the quarterback? And sometimes there's not great solutions. What if they blitz here? What if the tackle loses? What's the quarterback's answer? And sometimes when I look at this bonds, I'm just like, what's the answer? When this th- when, yeah. when the thing that they want to happen doesn't happen, what now what? Now what are we doing? Now where's the ball supposed to go? Now totally. now yeah, like so, so when I, I used to watch when I used to watch film when I was on the beat, it always was like, well, should have just gotten the ball, just dump it down. Like there always was an answer. Like Jay yeah. Jay's offense, and obviously Sean had a huge influence on that when he was here, but also like you know, let's give credit to Jay. Like Sean learned a lot from Jay, but that offense, you'd be like, ah, he's just got to get it out to the back here. Like it's it's not satisfying, but like you just got to get to the check down. It sucks, but there's like there was always a guy open somewhere. And you watch film of this offense, and it feels like a lot of times, literally the entire route tree is covered up. And so that obviously goes to exactly what you're saying. Like, there aren't always solutions here. And I guess then it becomes the question of like, were there solutions within the play? And Carson missed them because he held on the ball too long, which he certainly did at certain points today. You just got to get the ball out in certain situations. And like sometimes time score down distance where you are on the field dictates that. They cost themselves a field goal uh, or almost cost themselves a field goal. They're able to get some of it back and, and ultimately get their one field goal, which by the way was their first of the season. What a bizarro stat that is yeah. week four. But, and I think it just speaks to, again, like not a very healthy offense. Right. Because you're but, not moving the ball. You're not even getting into field goal range. You know what I mean? Like right. That's, they had the one that they took off the board a couple weeks ago, but that's it. So only their second attempt, their first official, because that one technically doesn't count uh, on the official stats. But, you know, to the larger point, like they just they don't have those answers. And whether it's Carson missing them, whether not creating outlets for him if he gets in trouble or loses or being so predictable that defenses are all over all five eligibles seemingly all the time, it is a sign of a broken offense. And at this point, they have cont- what what's been interesting, Logan, is you know we like bashing. It's the easy part, right? They scored ten points. They were really inefficient. They had turnovers. Like they couldn't get their best players involved. Like everybody's got that part figured out. I think where. It's our job is is folks who are trying to give analysis and trying to do a little bit better than just being like, wow, this stat sheet's very bad. Anybody that can read can figure that out is to go like, why is it that? Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting on the why category is it feels like this offense is simplifying from week one when what they did week one worked so well. And it wasn't like it was crazy. They just moved pieces around. They just used personnel really well. And instead, it's like now they go back to the same five things over and over again and are somehow expecting different results. And I don't really understand why that's happening. Like, Curtis Samuel didn't have a carry today. That's backwards. Like, he should be getting the same amount he got week one because it's a good formula. Curtis Samuel, into the fourth quarter today, had two touches. He's been the best part of their offense the entire year. He wound up with seven targets, but a ton of them come in the fourth quarter when the game's basically over. Like, that that can't happen, especially when you're out of rhythm. You you go to your, the things that do work, and getting him involved has worked for them. They don't, and it just didn't seem like Scott, Carson. I know, I know it's hard, 
And I want to give one, Dallas is one of the best defenses in the league. They deserve a ton of credit. They make things really difficult. So I do want to obviously give that credit. And that's a, that's a huge, huge piece of information that's part of this. But it didn't feel, and, and also uh, the other thing I would say is, Scott probably is in this place as a play caller where he's like, I don't know what the hell I can call that we can protect. Our offensive line is not holding up right now. But he never figured anything out to get them some easy solutions, and that's ultimately his job, which is why I think he's going to be under the microscope again this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree uh, really with anything you're saying. I think one of the things that you didn't touch on, you kind of touched on there at the end, was the O-line. I think that's something that uh, needs to be considered here, especially with this passing attack. Like, So you mentioned you drew a comparison between like 2015 and 2022. I mean, that 2015 offensive line was very, very good. They really understood what they were doing. And I will say, I see a transition in defenses to kind of like this soft soft coverage zone, also like kind of walking this razor's edge between pressure and soft coverage. And I think NFL offenses need to make sure they're adjusting to some of that stuff, right? Um, The other thing is uh, you mentioned where there's solutions. I think that's also credit, you know, pass protection dependent a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think they – you know, like if I can't if I can't work through my progression and get the ball down to the back because the pressure is so aggressive, that's an issue too, right? Um, I think concept dependent. I think, like I said, they don't really attack the uh, the middle of the field. And also, you mentioned week one in that kind of long talk. I think week one is an interesting comparison because I don't think they did anything overly complicated. Like when you look back at it, there's two, three plays that were like maybe a little bit unusual that I'm sure are a sheet at some point. But they just don't get to them because they're not on the field long enough to kind of get into a drive, right? So I think you mentioned the Curtis Samuel thing. Even that, like there's not like a game plan specific emphasis on runs that he gets or formations that he gets, right? And like, you know, they might have looked at it and said, oh, well, they don't adjust versus, you know, Debo Samuels in the backfield versus the 49ers. I don't know. That might be what they've done, right? Which would be good process, right? But, you know, a lot of those touches early came on RPOs. You know, and I, I think that's the thing. That's the thing when I look at this offense. There's there's very little conceptually that attacks the middle, like horizontal, like vertically, like vertically through the field, the middle, and also between the hashes, middle of the field, right? Mm-hmm. I look at the Philadelphia Eagles. I look at um, Detroit Lions. I look at even the Jaguars, right? And they have route concepts that attack that middle section of the field, right? They have like a pull concept, which is like a sit, told the linebacker and then a basic coming over the top something to kind of make you defend the entire thing we've, we've talked about this in the show a ton like linebackers are some of the worst coverage players in the nfl like why like look at the way teams attack our linebackers and right. why don't we kind of engage in a similar philosophy like it wasn't like there was anything that dallas did that was crazy like every offense i played in ran a version of those concepts right because they know how to stress the middle level of the defense and we just don't do that. Even the play action stuff that we do is very tepid. It's not like an aggressive play play fake, you know? Like when you watch Dallas, it's double team, mash, everybody didn't up, right? And it feels like they're going to run the ball. With us, it's like token fake, maybe hold, double teams are soft. And all, so, again, like that to me, again, I don't know this offense that well, so I don't want to get into too much detail on it. But those are things that I look at and I say, that stuff can and should, in my opinion, be better. So something else, this is a little detail oriented, but like details matter. What do you think of Carson's ball handling? Because they don't seem to get any kind of effect off play action. 
And I, it I, does so seem, this is a this is a really yeah. good question. This is a very good question because really good play action teams. Everyone thinks it's the quarterback. No, it's the line. It's the line. Like gotcha. the linebackers are coached. Like I've talked to many, many linebackers, right, about what makes you buy it on certain things. Da, da, da. And one of the things that comes up consistently is when an O lineman sells a vertical double team, they know they have to peel it. They're looking through the line to the backfield, right? But that hard sell and that the back coming downhill aggressively, like they're getting the ball, that's what sells it. So when I see, you know, even in the preseason when Robinson's kind of in this fake, like, uh, like that doesn't feel to me when I watch it. Like even on film, like it's real. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's like I can tell when I got the clicker in my hand, like I can tell right when he starts moving because it lacks urgency, it lacks energy, and so that kind of stuff. That's how they're coaching that. So obviously they feel fine with it, you know, and they feel like they get a lot of their pull from when they pull guards and stuff. But if you pull one player, you're affecting one person in the defense. I would attack that spot, right? <clears throat> and it doesn't matter if the guy pulls and then the tackle sets, right? Because the linebacker is going to see that whole picture and he's going to drop in a coverage. So to me, like that is, I think, something that needs, I, I, again, if I, if I was the OC, that's something that I would coach very thoroughly. I would say, you don't even know if it's a pass or not. Just block the damn run, you know, because you're going to get better sell that way. You're going to get better. And I'm going to tell the running back, you're getting the ball. The only person who doesn't know are the receivers and the run and the quarterback. That's how aggressive I want the sell. Because if they don't know, then the defense doesn't know. And then we get actual pull on the play action pass stuff. So that's when I see that, that's something that immediately jumps out to me. And I'm really glad you brought that up because that's been driving since last year. Because, but that's just how they do it. You know, that's how they did it in Carolina. That's how they do it now. That's okay. That's their school of thought. I just don't happen to agree with that. Yeah, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like the whole point of, otherwise, you're just wasting time. You're yeah. just like slightly shifting players and and really wasting time when you have pass rushers coming up the field. Because that's what's happened. Is like the you know Carson turns his back and then all of a sudden turns around. He's like, okay, time to we're done with the play fat uh, play fake. It's like time to yeah. pass. Oh yeah. God, I'm dying. Um, and you know, you're not the only one who thinks this way. Like Peyton Manning, uh, on his show, his, uh, his film show, uh, which Great now show, completely, by the way. yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm, I'm completely, Oh, detail, um, is, is the name of it. Like he'll pull up old clips of himself, uh, is like kind of teaching tape. And he has many times pulled out the play action, like, you know, practice film of him in Indianapolis and it's like, he literally used to study tape of, is my handoff fake the same as my play action fake? And that's obviously at the quarterback, which is not me trying to go back to Carson, just no, to say no, like it's, it's, someone, someone like Peyton Manning, that was the level of detail he cared about. So if the entire team is not doing that, uh, then, then it kind of, again, it begs the question, like what's the point of the fake in the first place? And I kind of think that level of detail applies to everything, right? So, like, right. like there was a – I think I mentioned this already. In the first quarter, like, I was with Linnell and uh, Dayton, and I was like, Denton, excuse me, and I was like, the, the, this is a run, this is a pass. And the formation gets tighter because the receivers have to crack the safeties, right? So they're not going to do that from full width. They're going to do it from a tighter split, right? So I look at that and I say to myself, they should run passes. They should run their play pass out of that set. Right. That's the one they should do it out of, Right. And again, like then it's it's also different when the receiver squats down, the tight squat down, right? Why are they doing that? Because they know they got to dig somebody out on the run, and you can just tell that from body language. And that to me is kind of 
what we're talking about with the play pass, but also it applies to just regular runs. Like the demeanor should be approximately the same for both things, right? Should be approximately the same. I know it will never be identical, but when I look at it, I shouldn't be able to be, that's different. Their pads are higher. Or whatever yeah, I, it is. I mean, you know? I, I hear you that they probably won't be identical because human nature is eventually going to kick in. But also, why not? It should like, be. But what I'm saying is it should be close enough where I'd have to. It's not like, oh, oh, you know, it should be. Right. Oh, it's like it shouldn't even it shouldn't yeah. even cross my mind. Like when you look at Dallas and they line up, it everyone looks the same. You know, everyone looks the same across the board. No, run, pass, whatever it is. And I think yeah. that that's what well, I'm. Well, that's why, like Rogers, Rogers, Mike's linebackers on run screens, plays, right? Yeah. Or like, screens or whatever. He's yeah, doing, screens yeah. especially, right? He's like, you know, because they they want to get like, oh god, we're facing the blitz, like we got to get, and it's all dummy calls. Yeah, but like that kind of stuff works. There's a reason yeah. the best of the best do that stuff. And on a fundamental level, if you are giving it away based off formation, you're not giving yourself a great chance. And, um considering this is two weeks in a row, really three weeks in a row where a defense has been all over everything what this offense wants to do. It says you're kind of predictable and they got to figure out how to get out of that rut. Um, but also get their, you know, going back to the Curtis Samuel thing, I hear you that it's like a game plan, whatever, but like, okay, fine. They don't react. He's still one of your best players. Get him the ball. Like Curtis Samuel getting four carries a game is, and it's not me disagreeing with you. You know, I'm just saying like to emphasize why I think this is important. Like, you got to get your best players the ball. Justin Jefferson in the win for Minnesota today gets 10 catches and the game-winning end around, right? Like, why isn't Samuel getting at least 10 touches a game? If six of them are catches and four of them are carries, like, that's fine. If they don't adjust, okay. I don't care if Curtis Samuel lines up as a traditional so, running back and gets a traditional handoff. He's one of your best players. Get him the so ball. So let me, let me just say this. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it, oh, Terry needs more touches and... Curtis needs more touches. Like you can't do it, right? Especially when the offense is this this sluggish. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You can't be like, oh, they both need touches, right? Because obviously they made a point of emphasis in this game to get Terry more touches. They try to get Jahan touches, but for whatever reason, the the staff is having a hard time kind of thinking about it globally, right? Thinking about it big picture, right? They just kind of say maybe these are our first, uh, you know, our first and second down calls for the first 15, which is very standard. There's three calls for Terry. There's three calls for Jahan. There's three calls for whatever. And, um, and there's three calls for Curtis in here, right? Perfect. Excellent. We're, we're calling a great game. The problem is that once you get out of that first and second down, like once you get like once you get out of even second and un, unusual, so second and seven, second and eight, you get off script and you go to some different calls, right? And so I think that's where maybe there's a departure. Is you got to think about getting them touches even in those unusual situations. I just feel like the, the scope of the game plan needs to be improved right to your point to kind of make sure those guys are getting what they need to out of these different uh to get in terms of touches right and when offenses are in third and ten second and ten whatever it is long down in distance like your your offense is not your offense it's your third down offense it's a very different thing and it's very selective in terms of what you like there and what you like to do there and i think um that's also something important to understand and for, for, for listeners to understand it's just it's it's not your regular offense. So like those touches you're getting to Curtis, that's off the table in those situations. Touches to Terry, nope. Touches to Han, nope. It's just we're calling our third down play. And who's ever lined up at that spot is going to get the target. So I think that's kind of again, I think an issue with this offense is like we they haven't they've they've kicked one field or they've they've got one field for through four games. Ridiculous, right? Like it just they can't they cannot move the football. 
And it's, I think some of the things we talked about are, are cause for that. And I think it also leads to some other systematic issues, like not getting guys touches who deserve touches. Right. And these things all feed into each other, right? Like if they could get some more first downs, they could get to some of these calls. Sure. Um, if they would use the middle of the field more, they would probably get more first downs um, because that's where a lot of that stuff happens. I mean, I was watching the Packers Patriots game before I hopped in here and it's like Rogers to Alan Lazard through two linebackers on a slant. And it's a throw Rogers has made a thousand times in his career. And it's just yeah. like not on the table for this team for some reason. Um, even though it's one of the best ways to move the chains throughout a lot of offenses in the NFL. Um, obviously, as we watch the tape, we'll have a lot more detailed thoughts on this on Wednesday. Um, but I will say, just as a kind of a wrapping thought, you know, that first and second down efficiency was something that was huge uh, in terms of our pregame, you know, lead up saying this is what they have to do. And this team was in third and double digits yardage a ton today. A huge part of that is penalties. A lot of times you go back to penalties. You're like, this is not a very well-coached team. When you look at the action, like as someone who played, uh, never committed a penalty. You, you never, never a hold of anything on 82. Um, but for your teammates who did, what, what are the causes of a high penalty game? Like what, when you look at this, why did they find themselves in uh, positions to hold, positions to do whatever so often today? Well, how many were on William Jackson? Was that... Well, there's three on defense, but even offensively, I mean, Cosby no, no, had yeah, a couple. I'm just, and, I'm just saying, uh, like, so I think William Jackson, I think everyone's got a little different. So let's just go through them. I think William Jackson's more of a stylistic thing. I think that's just how he plays. And that's really hard to fix because, like, that's how he was in training camp. That's how he was in uh, Cincinnati. And that's how he was when you're, like, nervous. Like, that 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 call to grab, right? That's what happens when you're nervous. Like when I used to go yeah. against a really good football player, like, I found myself holding a little bit longer than I should because I was really nervous. He was going to beat me, right? By the way, uh, Ron said in his post game press conference, he's like, "We just need him to calm down. He's in good position. Yeah, like he's got to, he's got to let go." Yeah, and like that's what you see. You just see a guy who's like, on the one to CD, I think it was like when he reaches out and grabs his shoulder pad. Like you're right in phase with that guy. If you can reach out and grab him, there's no godly reason to do that. Like tap his hip. You know, have you ever seen that? Like when soccer players, like you're running and you just kind of tap their hip as you run. That's mm -hmm. a very viable defensive back technique, and that's something you probably could do in that look. So, but the idea that you need to reach over his shoulder pad and grab and pull him back, like that, I don't, I don't like that very much. Let me just say that the yeah. false start thing, I think, is, um, I think that's people don't understand how hard and how many reps that takes to get really good at, and adding a new piece to that in uh, Sadiq Charles, I think, is can be problematic at times. I'm not saying that's all Sadiq. I know that is a variable that's tough because, you know, it's very formulaic. You look over your shoulder, you tap, you get set, ball snapped, right? So let's stand with a new guard, and he and his process is either faster or it's a little bit slower, right? And so as an indicator, I'm looking through my eye at the guard because that's easier to see before the ball snapped. And then once, once he puts his hand down, then I move my eyes to the ball last second, right? Because I kind of see more of the defense. It's the same thing with a tackle. You're kind of periffing the guard, and it's like one 1,000 snap. Like Bill Callen used to get a camera out there and watch the guys go through their silent count to make sure they wouldn't be off sides and make sure the rhythm and the timing of it was exactly the same. So that's that's one element of that. And I think, you know, Cosme going against good pass rushers, you're going to get a little antsy. But I think that having a new piece there, you know, not no excuses here, but that can that can change the process a little bit for sure. And then obviously Martin gets beat on a re, trying to reach a nose guard early on. 
like those things happen. That's like the very common thing to happen in a game. Like yeah. it's hard. One, as it's, one thing uh, you notice with a lot of substitute offensive linemen is they pick up a lot of penalties because they're not as good as the guys that they're replacing, and right. the guys they're facing are still really good and fast, and it's hard to block them. And I think also like as a center, like most blocks have double teams, but when you're facing a shade, so a, a person that's lined up on your shoulder to the play side that's one of the toughest blocks in football for, for anybody. Cause you got to snap and then get your hat outside. It's a tough deal. So, uh, and like you said, he hasn't played a lot of football this year. You know, this is kind of his first start in a while. I like uh, Nick, good buddy of mine, good friend. And you know, that's a tough deal. That's a, that's, it's hard to do. And I think he would tell you that he needs to be better there as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, like five minutes or less defense. Uh, I think they played overall, pretty good uh outside of a couple of stretches uh penalty induced for sure and then they they let cd lamb lose although that drive i think ended in a field goal so fine but they like really you know bent didn't break uh outside of you know look william jackson third had a really really bad day that was really really impactful like penalties and then the touchdown he just didn't squeeze it well, might, again, so again, it might not have been his fault, but again, like I gotta see the all twenty-two. Before right. I make so what Ron said afterwards is like his, same thing. He's got to look at it, but his initial thought is like he didn't squeeze it. In looking at it, because um, I think they did show an all twenty-two look. My question would be, what are you doing other than that? Right. It's it looks to be a quarters coverage, and he has outside leverage. But the fact that he just kind of fades back into his his quarter when there's no threat there, there's no other receiver outside of him. At that point, like, you know, the phrase, like, be a football player, I kind of hate it just because it's used so often uh, recklessly. But at that point, what it, like, I, this sincere question, what else is he doing? Like, you've got the best receiver on the other team running uh, towards the end zone right in front of you. Whether you have safety help or not, why aren't you at least staying on his outside hip? If he makes a great grab on you inside, he makes a great grab. But the fact that you faded into no man's land, like, you just didn't want to be in the picture. It's kind of a weird, like, I've, I've seen it before. I, I'm sure there's some coaching point that, that there's responsibility to make sure that the guy doesn't go back out towards the corner, um, but squeeze it a little bit. So I don't, know the f- I don't know the formation, but usually when that guy runs a post and there's a guy on the inside of him running a post also, it's a good quarters meter, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things sure. that happens is teams will run a guy either across the formation or the back out of the backfield on a rail up the sideline. Right. Mm. So it's not. And again, I don't know. I don't remember the formation. So full disclaimer here. We'll, this is we'll a, have a fuller answer on Wednesday. This is a Wednesday thing. But that is why you don't match that always. Right. Gotcha. Because there is somebody and like teams know, like I know versus quarters, if that guy matches, we're going to try and get a back out there. I'm going to try and dip, dip the ball to him because you're going to get a guy who's a hook fat player, usually an outside linebacker, chasing that in a bad position. So, again, that's part of it. But again, it just looked like, and, and that's assuming that there's three receivers to that side. It's, I didn't, I don't remember that. I remember thinking there's more receivers to the left. And so, if that's the case, Cam's got to match the third receiver over there, and he's got to know that he is on an island. You know what I mean? Right. So again, that's that's quarters coverage versus two different. Services. I think it was. A, I think it was a two by two. Right, and so again, where's the back? That's the other thing. Is the back right. to the left? Is the back to the right? Because the back would then dictate the three by one or the two by two. Or the, the three by two, which side that goes to, right? So that's why coverages are really hard to analyze because you don't really know. Like I had, a, so this is a funny story. So I was talking to one of the coaches in the building today. I was like, oh, you know, on that play where such and such happened, like what coverage is that? And he goes, and he was, and we were watching film together. And he goes, I actually don't know because it could be this or it could be this or it could be this. 
It all looks the same. I don't know the call. And so, again, that's why it's so tough because the, the, the passing surface just changes everything for these guys in terms of rules and how they execute it, which is, again, why defense is really hard to play in the NFL. But I think that's – so I, I personally think just his body language, the way he kind of fluttered back, not a great sign. Because even if, even if that does happen and you squeeze, the back's going to be in a trail position on that post, right? So you'd be able to rally up as opposed to flutter back. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he, he said he, he thought he had help on the inside. Curl winds up taking the first post um, and is trying to pass it off to McCain and get back. The pass-off never happens, like – We'll have to take a closer look yeah. at where the back was, and and but again, like giving up a touchdown seems like the worst possible option. Well, and, and at some point, at some this... point, you hope that. And this is kind of the the larger point is like, does he does he see the field in zone right? And yeah. that's like that's like the larger question with Jackson, and that is I think very much on the table of like, does he does he see the field and does he feel comfortable? Because that could also explain some of the penalties and, and some of the ways he reacts on some of these plays today where it unquestionably he makes a mistake and the yellow flag comes out to indicate it. And also I'll say this too, like if it is quarters, which I don't remember if it is or not versus vertical route stems, it'll look just like man. So just to give you some indicator there also, if it is true quarters, it probably should have been tighter. You know what I mean? Like just as a thought, but we'll, yeah. we'll get that. We'll get that addressed on Wednesday. Um, anything else on the defense? Um, I think the pass rush was a little more inconsistent than they like, but they definitely stepped up at times. Um, but at the end of the day, like really hard, um, to, really hard it, to win a game when your offense scores 10. Yeah. Interesting rotational piece. I thought, oh, so first off, I thought that Jamin on the first choice route to, um, CD. Yeah. The one where he kind of checked the tight end real quick first. Yeah. I think he played that poorly. I think cause like yeah, what you're thinking is he's probably got a reroute number two, which is the tight end. And then all of a sudden when they cross release, now CD's the number two, right? And Ron has made a big point of emphasis of making sure you stay under that number two receiver and make them bubble over the top. So I think that's a good look, but I also think that's a little bit of lack of awareness by Jamin. This is kind of a random one, but I think uh, Ridgeway is a nice rotational piece. I don't know if he graded that well, but it's nice to have a guy you can throw in on first and second down and get a fresh pain and a fresh Allen and let those guys be productive pass rushers. And I think, again, like to get a fine like that late in the year, um, or late, you know, late in the off season, I guess, kind of into the season, yeah. is is a nice, um, nice rotational piece, especially given Athens' injury. And we'll see how he grades and stuff. But that was my initial thought. It's just nice to have another big body in there that can keep those guys fresh. Definitely. All right. Uh, a lot more on Wednesday's show. Uh, we'll have less rage, more insight, uh, which is typically what you come to this show for. But for today, a little bit of rage because that was bad. Uh, and but still trying to make sense of it. Uh, what we'll always try to do here on Take Command. Uh, certainly we'll have more tomorrow. Uh, depending on how much film Logan watches, perhaps we will uh, do a little visit on the radio tomorrow as well. I'll see you there from three to six, and we'll have a fresh pod out Wednesday morning with all of the film breakdowns. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for checking us out here on Take Command.